Welcome to this podcast is rigged with JW Riggs. I'm your host, JW Riggs. <laughs> I have a great guest today, uh, Shane Hartline. Uh, you've probably seen some of his very funny TikToks, and you've probably seen him in Rock of Ages or an episode of uh, Ricky, Nicky, Dicky, and Don. I know I said that name wrong. <laughs> okay. And uh, some other sitcoms and stuff. So, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Yeah, I was just telling you I'm a little sleep deprived because, yeah, I had a crazy couple of days. I, I uh, gratefully, um, it was a blessing. I booked some some acting work in Georgia, so uh, you know had to fly to Georgia, shoot it. Now I got back late last night. Uh, shooting in during COVID is is pretty interesting. Um, there's just like extensive testing and shooting something. Um, like, you know, you have to mask up and there's, it's just like, um, it's just a whole different experience. It was, it wasn't difficult. It was just different. Um, so yeah, I'm good, man. A little exhausted, but like, I'm never not exhausted. I feel like, um, I'm kind of just this consistent level of overworking myself, you know? <laughs> well, uh, but no, thanks for having me, dude. Oh uh, no. Thank you for coming on. I'm just, I'm glad that this is that I've been able to kind of use this platform as a family friendly thing, have awesome guests on and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, I mean, we something we have in common is wrestling. We both absolutely love wrestling. You were a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess my first question is like growing up, who was your favorite wrestler? Oh, man. Well, I have like such early memories. I think a lot of kids in my age and that, you know, I uh, grew up in the 80s, 90s. Hulk Hogan, definitely one of like the first people that we connected to. He was just this like real life superhero. I think at, when I was a young kid, like everybody loved Hulk Hogan. Like that's what pulled not just me, but so many people into wrestling at that time. Um, but then Sting is definitely my all time favorite because like, I was into wrestling um, when I was really young. My dad got me into it. He actually, he dabbled in independent wrestling a little, um, but he got me into it at a really young age, but I got so into it in like 1996 when the NWO and Sting and that, the heat of WCW and yeah, it was just cool to be a wrestling fan back then. Not to say that it isn't now, but it was just, <laughs> it was so different. Everybody was wearing t-shirts. Every It was like really like a cool thing to be a wrestling fan. Um, but then I got into Sting and then I've been a Sting fan ever since. <laughs> so how do you feel about him being part of uh, AEW? It's exciting, man. Like I've been for excuse me, I've been for years, you know, I never thought when he came to WWE that he got, not that they mistreated him by any ways. I just don't think they used him to his fullest potential. I think that, you know, so many missed opportunities. I'm not saying that he needed to be out there wrestling every, every pay-per-view or every week, but like he should have been treated like a special attraction because he is a special attraction. Look at the reaction he got in AEW. But like the fact that they didn't, you had Undertaker and Sting on the first WrestleMania together and they weren't wrestling. Why didn't you make that your first, like up at the first opportunity, you should have taken advantage of that dream match. Like I still, to this day, don't understand why that never happened. 
why in WWE, they never got like a face off of any kind. Like, and then, you know what I would have been happy with as a wrestler, as a sting fan, put undertaker and sting face to face. And the crowd's like, Oh my God, are they going to fight each other? And they shake hands. And like, that's it. That's all we needed or something like that. I even thought at WrestleMania this past year, we were going to get a sting appearance. And um, what was the match that he wrestled AJ in? What was that called? Uh, um, the, you know, that, that yeah. cinematic, the cinematic match they had. I thought for sure that we were going to get some kind of sting appearance. Um, but I just, I don't grasp or understand you have that guy on your, in under contract, why not use him more in some capacity? And that's what I'm excited about in AEW is like, I feel like we're going to finally, finally get a finish or a conclusion to the Sting story that we deserve. And as Sting fans and, and, and maybe like a, a, a simple match or two, like I'm not wanting him as I'm not as a Sting fan wanting to see him go out there and get hurt or do anything crazy but there, there's an opportunity for like a tag team match or something where he could do something simple. Um, and I think that would make sense. Right. I mean, I kind of wish they would have done with him what they're kind of doing with Goldberg. Sure. Like yeah, really, yeah. Really pushing Goldberg. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would think that WWE would have done that. Um, I don't know. But yeah. I'm excited. I'm. It's the first time as a wrestling fan that I have been excited. And yeah, I'm partial because I'm a huge Sting fan. But I can't remember the last time I was this excited. And I just, I think because there is so many possibilities and it does help AEW tremendously, like having somebody like him a part of their company, I think they needed something like this. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it seems like they're going to be, they're an up and rising company and they're really good so far. So hopefully it stays that way. Uh-huh, definitely. So, um, You've actually been able to talk to wrestlers because of your podcast and stuff. Mm -hmm. So would you like to talk about that for a couple? Yeah. Of yeah. So, so I used to be a professional wrestler and I, I quickly, a few years into independent wrestling, I found out that I, um, I enjoyed the theatrics of it and the, and the, you know, that part of it a lot more. And I, and my heart and my passion was quickly, shifting from wrestling to filmmaking and YouTube and acting and that sort of thing. So like I went from wrestling and then I went full-time into acting, but I still all over these years that I was outside of wrestling, I still had the itch. I was like still interested in wrestling. So when I think it was 2013, I came up with this idea to make a character and do like an interview show. I wanted to do like a between two ferns kind of Zach Galifianakis awkward interview show for wrestling because at the time there was nothing like that. There wasn't anything. All wrestling interviews were kind of the same. It was very like the, the wrestlers are getting asked the same questions and it was just like there wasn't like a fun alternative to like shoot interviews. It was just the same thing pretty much every time, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just it gets very, very repetitive. So I came up with the idea to do make up this character, Marky Extreme, and I would interview wrestlers and present it to them and tell them like, hey, I'm playing this character. I want you to react and make it feel as real as possible. And um, it's been really fun, man. I've had like the opportunity to interview like some really cool people like Jake the Snake, Young Bucks, Hardy Boys, you know, a lot of big name wrestlers that teenager Shane would have been losing his mind about Raven um, Raven. Yeah. Um, so many people. And what's cool is like the reaction we get after the interviews is nine times out of 10, the wrestlers, like 
they had a good time. It was something different. It was like a cool alternative to the repetitive, you know, shoot interviews that they have, they, they don't have to do, but they choose to do all the time. And, and, and so that's why I think it connects with people in a different way because it is a, a very different form of wrestling entertainment. Um, it's called on your mark. We, we have a YouTube channel and we just started a podcast this year, which the podcast is really fun. There's no, like, there's no guests on it, but it's like the podcast, you know, the Conrad Thompson podcast where he like deep dives into certain topics. So we sort of are mimicking that type of thing where we deep dive dive into a topic. And then my character, Marky extreme gives his horribly stupid perspective on it. Um, (laughs) Uh, so it's really fun. And, but yeah, so we're kind of just trying to increase the brand of on your mark from just not just YouTube, but podcasting, live streaming, doing all kinds of things as, you know, an alternative wrestling comedy entertainment experience. Right. Um, before we move on, I just want to say our friend Adam Wiley says hello. So oh, right on. Awesome. Yeah. Adam's great, man. And he like genuinely one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Oh yeah, he's so helpful. Just how did you meet him? Um, on TikTok. It's TikTok. Just like, I watched one of his live streams one time, and he mentioned like Halo, and I was like, "Oh, I play <laughs> yeah. Halo." And so we it's so started- funny because yeah, that's how you and I met. But like, I had been itching to play something with a group of people online, and I because I get so th- here's the thing with me. I get really discouraged really quickly with online gameplay because kids are so good now that it's, it's like I go on and I get annihilated and I'm like, well, screw this. I'm just going to throw the remote away and I don't play anymore. Um, But with Halo, it's something I used to play when I was younger. So I feel like I'm not amazing. Like Adam is so good. Um, (laughs) But like, I feel like I'm decent enough that I can still have a good time and not get like really frustrated. Right. I mean, you've seen me play. So I'm pretty (laughs) bad at it. It's fun though, man. It's it's super (laughs) fun. It's super fun. Um, So let's talk about how you got into acting and comedy. So is that something that you kind of always wanted to do? Do you like grow up watching comedy or? Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching like Nickelodeon. Um, You know, I always, as a kid wanted to be an actor and it's funny, like it was like acting and wrestling were like the two, like the two things. And what I always thought um, I was like, well, if I get into wrestling, then I can then become an actor, which is yes, that can happen. But that is like a very hard route to become an actor um, and I wouldn't suggest just getting into wrestling for ulterior motives, like do wrestling if that's what you want to do, because it is, it's grueling and I still have injuries and all kinds of things from the few years I spent doing it. But yeah, I picked up my, my, my parents. It was really cool. When I was younger, I picked up my first video camera when I was like nine or 10 or something like that. And from a very young age, I like, I said, I mean, I haven't put on a camera since I just constantly like shoot, I was shooting little skits and sketches and all kinds of fun little things from a very young age, because for me, that was my way to do acting because at the time I was in this small town and like internet wasn't even like a big accessible thing at the time. Um, And so I didn't know how to become an actor. I didn't know anybody in my town that was in the industry. I didn't, there was nobody I could go to, to be like, how do I do this? I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it. 
um, I would, I would even go to the extent of like, I would, cause I was from central, I'm from central Florida originally. And I would call universal studios and say, how do I get on the Nickelodeon shows? And like, they would just like, be like, kid, go, go play with your toys. You know, like they would just hang up <laughs> anyways. But years later I would, you know, really how I got into acting was I started doing YouTube. I started doing YouTube when YouTube first opened. I was one of like the, really the early few people that were doing comedy on YouTube, like sketch comedy and that kind of stuff. So it got me my first agent. Um, and then from there, it just kind of snowballed over time. I was auditioning for commercials and little parts on TV shows and so forth and so on. And then I got the film Rock of Ages, which, you know, I, I bring that up a lot in like interviews and conversations because yes, it was a smaller part in the film, but it changed my life because it, you know, gave me as at, at a pretty young age, all this money that I had never experienced before. And I, and I had already been toying with the idea of moving to Los Angeles. Um, so when this happened, I took it as like a sign from God. I was like, I have to do this now. Like I have this money to make it possible. And this just happened. So this will help with, you know, opening doors in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? So five months after I did rock of ages, I was in Los Angeles. That's, that's awesome, man. Mm. Uh, rock of ages. I watched it, I think a couple months ago. And that's yeah. honestly really the only part in that movie that I really remember. So. <laughs> oh, great. Right on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fun movie. I think there's like, like with any movie, there's flaws and, you know, things they could have done differently. And I, you know, I, I could go back and nitpick it, but like, it was a fun movie. And overall for me personally, it, the, the experience was surreal. I, uh, you know, spent three and a half weeks working on that movie and spending every day with Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand and, you know, all of these mega stars. So what was crazy for me and like, honestly messed with my head a little bit was this was the first thing I really booked other than just some commercials you know like little commercials then i just out of nowhere booked this thing and i why i say it messed with my head a little bit is because it was hard for me and i think it would be hard for anybody at that age to not be like oh well this is just how it's gonna be now like i'm gonna just do movies and big tv parts from now on this is how it's gonna be but anybody getting into the entertainment industry and if you're listening and you're interested just know that yes it can happen like that yes you can just book a big part and then you know, your career blows up after that. But like, that's not how it usually happens because everything we do, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Like you're going to have, you're going to have times when you're busy, you know, like right now, personally in my career, things are pretty awesome. Like I have some cool things happening, but then there's, there's other times where it's like with acting specifically, there's not a lot happening. You know, it all depends on auditions, you know, fate, you know, all kinds of factors that are really out of our control. Um, and you just kind of have to get to a place of peace and kind of letting go a little bit, but also staying, you know, busy and on the um, other side of it, making content, doing things that you can do to keep your name out there and, and keep your stock up a bit. If does that make sense? Like keeping your, um, I guess your stock high as an actor, because like we're in an industry right now where social media numbers help, you know, it's not a, it's not a factor that will determine, booking all the time in acting parts, but it helps tremendously. You know, so I've always been the type of person, uh, a person in this industry. It's like, okay, if I'm not 
currently working on a TV show or something, I'm going to be working really hard, you know, to keep my stock up. Um, no, that's cool. Um, but, uh, I, the question I had completely went out of my mind. <laughs> it's all good, dude. It's all um, good. Oh yes. Actually, what I was going to say, speaking of social media, how did you get into TikTok? It was like, you're, I mean, that's how I found you before yeah. I started playing Halo. Uh, I saw one of your videos, one of your wrestling videos. I thought it was hilarious. And like, oh, thanks, man. My brother got me into wrestling. So I sent that to him. He thought it was funny. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right on. Yeah. I got into TikTok probably a year ago, but I mean, I've been, I'm not one of those people that is like closed minded to social media outlets. Like some people, like, and I think still they're like, oh, TikTok. But like, I think that I've always been kind of very open-minded to every social media outlet that happens because the way I look at it is if I'm already making content, what does it matter if I put it on every outlet? You know, what if it hits on this one? What if it hits on that one? You know, so I've always been really open-minded to it. So I joined TikTok about a year ago. And even then I was like, there was a bit of time that I, I could have joined much earlier than that, but I like TikTok was a week has evolved tremendously. It used to be a very weird outlet, um, a lot of weird content. And I was just, it wasn't that I was close-minded to it. I just didn't know how my content would fit into it. Um, so I joined about a year ago and I, all I started doing was posting existing clips of things that I had already shot. And over time, I just kept posting clips, kept posting clips. And, you know, I had my wrestling on your mark TikTok that was doing decent. And that's all I was doing. I was just posting clips of that. And my girlfriend's TikTok was doing really decent. But mine, I was just, you know, continually posting just like snippets of pre-existing content. Um, and then it was like three months ago, I posted a snippet of this baby bodyguard video that I <laughs> that I had shot years ago and it blew up. And then like my, my, my audience on TikTok was just growing so quickly. And I'm like, okay, people like this. They like the baby bodyguard. I'm going to give them more of the, more of the baby bodyguard. And then I'm going to slip in my other stuff too. And in like three months, I've gained like 2000, 200,000 followers, like in three months, it's been very wild, surreal. And I'm just trying to, I'm not taking it for granted. I'm trying to, you know, keep the momentum. I'm trying to constantly give that platform content. And, and then also on the other flip side of it, like I said, actors, social media numbers can help an actor. So I'm trying to, you know, use that for everything I can, not abuse it, but use it and lift up my acting career, if that makes sense. Oh, no, that makes total sense. I mean, TikTok's a very interesting place, I would say myself. I mean, I make some stupid videos on there. But uh, I mean, a lot of people like you and Adam, they really, you guys are really doing good with it. And like, that's like, I mean, I just love videos like that. So, oh, thanks, man. I think I got TikTok at the beginning of quarantine. So uh -huh. that wasn't like so, most people, I think. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, okay, fine. I'll get it. I'll probably delete it within a few days is what I was thinking. But like, no, I've had it ever since. I think a lot of people are like you in that sense. They get it and they're hesitant to join it. But then when they get in it, they realize it's, it's kind of fun. Like it's a really fun outlet. And I think, um, I don't know. There's no other platform like it. There's no other platform where you could post a video and it can like literally overnight change your life. Like you can literally overnight get 
100,000 followers. You know, it can happen. It has happened. Um, and it's bizarre. You can't do that on YouTube. No. Um, I think YouTube's kind of, YouTube's harder and so is Twitch. Where uh-huh. It's kind of hard to get a following on there. But Yeah, definitely. It's not impossible. It's just definitely more difficult. I mean, with TikTok, I could put on my hot dog suit um, that I used to use when I worked at Spirit Halloween. Uh-huh. And like, that's what I do recently. I just put on yeah. a hot dog suit, make a video. Eh, it gets a few so hundred views. So. Is this fun stuff, man? Yeah, you never know. <laughs> So, yeah. And then you could become known as the hot dog kid on TikTok. <laughs> like my friend Edith Katie, like she's a she's an actress and a comedian that I've known for years. And her TikTok really blew up when she started making like lettuce content, like eating <laughs> heads of lettuce and doing silly stuff with lettuce. And like people connected with it. And so she's just like leaning into it. And I'm like, that's what's fun about TikTok is like you can get an audience for such a specific niche thing like, uh, you could end up being the guy who punches holes in walls, like, and people keep coming back for, I want to see you punch more holes in walls, like, or whatever. That's a stupid example. But like, you know what I mean? You, if you've, you've had to have seen those TikToks okay. where it's just like, this is the weirdest, most specific content, but it's blown up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Probably my biggest video is probably one a couple months ago, or actually in May, I dyed my hair blonde. And I kept getting compared to NMM by like my friends and stuff. So I made a TikTok comparing myself to him, like yeah, and stuff. It got not like viral, but I think it got three thousand views. So okay, quite a few. That's great, man. Hell yeah. So yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. But um, now uh, earlier we were talking about Rock of Ages. How was working with Alec Baldwin? It was great, man. Like it was really, it was intimidating for me. You know, like. Like I said, that was my first big thing. So like these guys are mega stars. Like I, you know, working with all of those guys was really intimidating, but also it was like also very um, empowering by the end of it because it was like, I felt invincible after that movie. Like I was like, I felt like I was on top of the world. And like, I mean, this was like, like I said, I thought this was going to just blow my career up instantaneously. It helped my career. It changed my career in many ways. And, but it was not like what I expected. Like, you know, I was a young, naive actor. I was very green. And I thought that this was just going to open millions of doors for me, but like specifically working with him, it was really cool. Like he was, you know, very nice. You know, some days he was, he would come in and he was quieter, but like, you know, never mean he was always nice. You know who the the nicest guy on set was, was Russell Brand. Russell Brand went up to everybody every day and was so nice. After my scene, he told me I was funny. And like, he didn't have to do these things, you know, like, you know, he, but he did. He was very nice. He would, you know, hang out with all the background actors and talk to them. And so he was, he he was very, very nice. And um, I'm a huge fan of his. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Russell Brand is hilarious in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Definitely. That movie's so funny. Oh, it's it's hilarious. I just watched it a couple months ago. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we still have a few more minutes. Uh, would you yeah. like to talk about uh, Donut Punk? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I, um, yeah. If, if you are an actor, you know, like how inconsistent acting work can be for like an up and coming actor. It's like, it is important to have like a side hustle or some kind of side job. And over the years I've like tinkered with 
all kinds of things from like editing actor demo reels and putting actors on tape for auditions. And I just was never passionate about those like side hustles. But I got the idea a year, about a year ago, where I was seeing all these influencers and people make their own clothing lines. And I was like, oh, that just seems so fun. There was something about it that intrigued me. And like over time, like I just was like, oh, I'm going to try doing this. And I love donuts. But like it was it wasn't just about like I wanted to make a clothing line about donuts. It was like I wanted to create like a brand, something fun, something colorful, something different. And I was like, I want to use like donuts as kind of like the foundation, like just like a starting point for this idea. But it, then it became like, I'm a huge 90s nostalgia fan. Like I love like everything 90s. So I was like, I'm going to take like this. These were the two things that I was like, I'm going to use these two things as the base of like the image of the company, like donut love and 90s nostalgia and kind of smash those two things together and make donut punk. And so I came up with that idea probably, I really came up with it at like a couple months before the start of the pandemic, but then like really the pandemic allowed me to have so much extra time to like put into it. But then I got to a point probably like four or five months into the pandemic um, that I just was like, yeah, I have all these creative ideas like and visions and all these things, but I didn't know how to make it come to life. I didn't know the business side of it. And I had a buddy that worked for a clothing manufacturing company and he basically helped me bring Donut Punk to life. And, and then a couple months after like Donut Punk was launched and uh, yeah, donutpunk.com, you can check out and get all kinds of apparel and hoodies and beanies and t-shirts and all kinds of fun, different <laughs> stuff. No, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, man. the second I saw that, I just love the design. So I think Oh, awesome, cool. dude. Thank you. So- I mean, I'm a huge fan. Like you said, you're a huge fan of 90s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I was born in 2004. So uh-huh. unlike and you still most, like 90s nostalgia. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I have a lot of stuff in my room. I have Nickelodeon stuff. I have like Funko Pop. I have a question. Did you discover that like interest yourself or did somebody like introduce you to those things? I mean, I have uh, my sister's 12 years older than me and my brother's eight years okay, older. Okay, oh, gotcha. It's just kind of like that. I mean, I grew up watching like Matilda and Little Rat. I love it. Stuff like that. And I even have an Elmo onesie behind me. And I guess nice. Elmo's kind of 90s. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah, just stuff like that. And um, I just always loved like pretty much anything 90s. So. I love it, dude. That's cool. So even cheesy 90s movies. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. <laughs> yeah, man, I'll think about it. Like, I mean, there's some great 90s stuff. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, I would have to think about it, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, we're, I'm going to ask you one more question if you don't sure. mind. Like, since it's coming up on the holiday season, or actually it is the holiday season, what are some holiday traditions that you usually do? Yeah, I mean, it's tough this year. This is the first year in 34 years of my life that I'm not going to be with my family for Christmas. And that's, that's tough. Like we don't, I mean, there's like, of course, with when I would be with my family that we have like certain things we eat for breakfast, like we would always eat like monkey bread. I don't know if you've ever heard of monkey bread, oh, but like that yeah. was like a tradition. That's a tradition. And, you know, we nothing too crazy with my family, more so just being with my family was, you know, like just just important, just spending time together. And this is tough this year. Like, you know, we, you know, made the decision to try to be safer and, you know, be more responsible and not travel across country. And, 
And, you know, going home to Florida was already making, it was just a little bit nerve wracking anyway, because Florida is a bit like the wild west right now with COVID and, you know, it is what it is, but like, um, you know, I, we got to the point where we just felt like it wasn't worth the risk because we'd rather have more Christmases than risk just this being the last one for a family member. Um, not to be too dark or grim, but being real, you know what I mean? And so like, it is tough this year. And I think a lot of people are in that same position of having to make those hard decisions. And, but, you know, like, I think that, um, it's just one Christmas. And I think by, obviously I think by next Christmas, things will start to be back to normal. And, you know, I feel like within the next three to six months, things are going to start becoming back to normal, hopefully. And hopefully, you know, so, but yeah, it's tough this year, man, because a lot of the traditions and like I said, traditions for me are just spending time with family. Mostly we would always, you know, thinking now I'm thinking about it. We would every year take like a really, we will, we will take a very goofy, fun family Christmas picture with like, we're all wearing the same kind of onesie or just some kind of goofy picture every year is what we started doing over the past five or six years. And, um, but yeah, this is the first year where like, you know, it's not just me in this boat. I think a lot of people are in this boat where we're not getting to experience those traditions and Christmas is different this year. Um, but you got to make the best of it. Oh yeah. Um, most definitely. I mean, uh, luckily my family kind of lives close in the oh, that's good. vicinity. So, but, um, but yeah, um, it's going to be different this year for everybody. It's definitely, mm-hmm. definitely going to be different, but I mean, definitely, man. there's always definitely. next year. So definitely. Absolutely. And to make sure there's a next year, you got to be safe this year. Oh yeah, totally. Most definitely. Uh, it's just like be safe and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, absolutely. But, uh, so thank you so much for, oh, dude, of course. Podcast. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, man, it was a great time. It was great to finally like talk and connect with you like outside of halo. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, um, anytime let's do this again soon. Oh yeah, totally. I was actually about to say that let's do this again soon. And thank you everybody for listening and go follow Shane on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and like other social medias. <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. It's not hard to find me. So actually one last thing I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah um, sure. I was looking at your Twitter and I saw the pin tweet that you have. We <laughs> uh, retweeted you once. Yeah. That? Well, that actually happened twice. That was like the second time that happened. It was a very <laughs> weird thing that like, it was within two weeks. Like I did one tweet to him as a joke. He responded. And then two weeks later I did it again. And he responded again. I was like, this is bizarre. Like, and it's him because I, you know, he's very active on his social media. Um, so yeah, I I had to pin one of those because it was just like a very (laughs) weird occurrence that was happening. Um, but hasn't happened since, but I can't, I hope I'm putting this into the universe that the day that I get to work with him, I can be like, Hey, do you remember this? Like what, what possessed you to tweet this random (laughs) dude, you know, but he's, he's the man, man. And I, I strive to have his work ethic. It's there's no harder worker than him. Oh yeah. Well, uh, no, he's really cool. I mean, I guess he's honestly probably the one of the first wrestlers I really remember besides Big Show. Sure. So, yeah. 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 Because it's like John Cena has been one of my favorites, but like most kids my age, they're like, oh yeah, he was the first wrestler I remember. Like, eh, not mm-hmm. really for me. <laughs> mm. But uh, 
yeah, thank you for being on the podcast and thank you everybody for listening. Have a great day.